welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined by co-host Blake Murphy for segment one, and we will also be joined shortly on the line by everyone's favorite currently, uh, Dennis Schroeder, who had a difficult game last night. The Raptors had a difficult game last night uh, against the Heat, but... Blake, how you doing, man? I'm all right. That game was a that game was a slog. It was a, a really unfortunate performance. One twelve, one hundred three was the final on that one. Uh, I guess it was close in, until kind of late. The Raptors came back after digging a fifteen point hole yet again in the first half. They got up, they led heading into halftime, and then they came out to the start of third quarter. Immediately turned the ball over. Darko Rajakovic had to use two timeouts early in that third quarter turnovers out of both ATOs Mm -hmm. that they were drawn up. There was just, I mean, we've seen this at times, a a kind of lack of focus, I guess. The transition defense has really slipped lately, which we'll talk about when we do uh, triple N in the, in the second hour today. Um, But man, it's just, it's, it's kind of more of the same, like night to night, one or two guys have a, have a good game. You have a good quarter. You're able to erase a a big lead or, or build a, a erase a big deficit or build a lead and then, you know, you can't string it together for not not 48. You can't string it together for 36. Can't really string it together for 24. So um, I don't mean to be sour to start the show, but they're I now mean, three games under 500. And then they, they mm-hmm. have dropped a lot of games to teams who we thought, or at least they thought, would be around their level. How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it was a frustrating watch um, at the arena for that game because, you know, there's there's obviously great mood and great vibe every time Kyle Lowry comes back into town. And, and the Raptors have played the Heat really well, uh, I thought, over the last couple of years. Again, with the new coach um, and I guess a slightly different roster, you can't just say that they've done well against them in the past and sort of carry that forward. Um, but you did expect a more competitive game. And the fact that they came out really flat, which has been a recurring problem for Toronto, um, just kind of puts you in this bad mood where the Raptors were constantly chasing it. I'll give guys credit. Like, the, you know, they didn't fold. They they kept, you know, making the comeback. It was like the Heat would go up 10, and then the Raptors called timeout. Then the Raptors climb back, you know, maybe even tie. Uh, and then the Heat will call timeout, and they go back up 10. It was just that same pattern over and over again where the Raptors were never really on top. And, um, yeah, it, even despite all those mistakes, the Raptors were still in it late in the game. And that's where I think some late mistakes, um, also some pretty great adjustments from Eric Spolstra, I think really helped. Um, to to push the heat over the top. But, yeah, when you look at it, you're just kind of, like, really unsatisfied with the idea that they don't have Bam. It wasn't like Jimmy Butler was going off. It wasn't Tyler like, Hero was out, too. Tyler Hero was been out. Highsmith, who I know people don't know super well yet, and you, you guys have chuckled when I bring him up, but, like, like he's him. the yeah. guy that you would have guarding Pascal Siakam with Bam out. Like, he was yeah. out as well. I saw him in Toronto at the ball don't stop hoop run. I'm serious. He was actually the best player there and like, uh, outside it, of Shaden Sharp, but, yeah. And, and it's not like the heat like shot the lights out on uh-huh. them or like the, the heat went zone and the Raptors actually handled it. I thought okay yeah, yeah, yeah. for a surprising. change, if this was like controllable stuff. Like how does someone come into the game 
And Duncan Robinson, who's shooting 45% on threes this year and is known primarily as a shooting specialist, Mm -hmm. and the assignment gets missed that you don't go under against Duncan Robinson, or if you get caught off of Duncan Robinson, that's an emergency closeout situation. Duncan Robinson's standing there with half a segment on our show worth of time to take his threes. Like, I, I don't, I just don't understand how that stuff is still happening here 21 games into the season against a team that you know really well. It was disappointing. Um, I think the play you're referring to was in the fourth quarter. And I there remember, were a couple, but yes, the most yes. egregious one was in the fourth. And Duncan Robinson even looked at the Raptors bench after. Like, it's the most we've see, we've ever seen him chirp, I think. Uh-huh. It was kind of a like a why am I so, so open look. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that I think if he looked at the bench, he would have seen the frustration because there was a moment there where Scotty threw his hands up at Darko and Darko threw his hands up at Scotty. Yeah. and. You know, for all the discussions of this season being different, I think a lot of it is about um, how much you more together. Better, yeah, how much more together they're going to play as a group, you know? And you know, I think in terms of focus and execution, it just wasn't really there. A lot of um, the game yesterday, for example, they wanted to, um, you know, hedge against Jimmy Butler just to prevent him from fully getting downhill. And there was a stretch in the third quarter there where Jimmy would just, like, read what the Raptors were doing charge ahead, and the Raptors will always be a beat late, and he would just get easy free throws out of that or put the Raptors into the, in, into the foul trouble. And it's like very, very simple, basic things were just not being executed based on a lack of focus. Meanwhile, on the Miami end, they had guys that you won't necessarily think are like premier scorers. But the Raptors lost yesterday to Duncan Robinson. They lost to Orlando Robinson, who, unless they heard our segment with Amy, nobody knew who that was. Um, they lost to Jaime Hawkes Jr., who was, I thought, really good for them off the bench. They lost to Caleb Martin, who had 23 points in the first half. Those are all detailed things. You can't tell me that the Raptors, who really pride themselves on defense, can't nail the details to solve some of those players. It was like a game full of Max Struess scoring 20 and a quarter. Now, I know, I, like 112, the, the overall defensive rating for the game, not that crazy or anything like that. But you mentioned the Jimmy Butler thing. And, yeah, he only had 19 points. Um, but like you're saying, first of all, put them in foul trouble at times. It's also just such a contrast in terms of Miami comes down the floor and their offense is predicated on the fact that it is a given that Jimmy Butler is going to get two feet in the paint and everything that flows from there is what happens once he has feet in the paint and the defense breaks down and you have them rotating. Now, whether that's for Duncan Robinson on the weak side coming off in action, whether that's when they have Bam, you know, it's some DHO stuff. It, like, there's a lot you can do with it once you get into the paint. And it's just such a stark contrast of their offense assumes Jimmy Butler will get two feet in the paint. And the Toronto Raptors offense spends 18 seconds trying to get a foot in the paint. Yeah. It's just so yeah. dramatically different in terms of what offense looks like when you can and cannot operate through the paint. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, when you look at the records, because it was like coming into the game, Miami was 11-9, the Raptors were 9-11. Like, roughly speaking, you would say, just based on the record, same tier. But then when they got on the floor, the execution... The Raptors were favored. Yeah, the Raptors were favored, right? Because they were, they're missing Bam, who was, who was their best player. And look, I think everyone wanted to see the Raptors play to their level. But I think that's been part of the issue this year, is just that inconsistency. We've seen them have good results. Like, when they beat Phoenix last week, that was a really, really good result. When they beat Indiana, that was a really good result. Even but going back early in the year when they beat Milwaukee. In both of those cases, though, look at what happened in the game before, right? Like, both of those were bounce-back games mm-hmm. after they had played really, really poorly. If I'm remembering right, the Pacers one was right after the Magic ran them off the floor. Yep. 
And the Suns one was right after they lost a game that felt really similar to this one against the Nets, yeah. who are right yeah. around 500 right. as well. You're right. There's a lot of issues. Um, I guess that means they'll beat the Hornets by like 40 on Friday, though, based not, on the, the pattern here. Honestly, they should. Uh, and I know tomorrow we will do a segment previewing the game, and I will probably pick the Raptors, but it's hard to know which team will show up, right? Yeah. And I think that's the, the difficulty and the frustration of watching it. Um, part of the struggles of last night was the play of, of Dennis Schroeder. And, of mm -hmm. course, we'll get to Dennis in a second. But I just wanted to set up that conversation, talking through it. What did you make of Dennis's decision-making down the stretch? Because that was, to me, the biggest shortcoming for the team uh, at least we're, we're talking about the last five minutes. Yeah, I, th I thought defensively they weren't that great either. But on the season as a whole, when you look at their crunch time stats, the defense has been there. They hold opponents to under a point per possession, okay. which is a really good rate to, to do in the crunch time. Um, but what we saw last night is something that's come up a couple times, and it's that the ball runs through Dennis Schroeder in those situations, and he looks to shoot first. And that can be fine if you're cooking that game, if you have a good matchup or whatever. But last night you finished the game four for 18. He had almost as many turnovers as assists. And if we look at, I don't use the NBA's version of crunch time. I'll do it myself in last five minutes within 10 points. Cause I think NBA uses five points. And I think that's too narrow in the modern NBA. I agree with when you, the yeah. Pacers can score like 150 points in a game, five points is nothing. Um, yeah, so let's sure. expand it to 10. So the Raptors have played about 65 minutes in those kind of situations this year. Scotty Barnes has been their highest usage player, which is great. He's been effective. Even if he wasn't, you want to funnel some of those possessions to him anyway. But even then, when he's wrong, he's right. Yeah. Like yesterday. When, it really was. And like last night, Scotty yeah. Barnes didn't really have it going. And then he did late. Mm -hmm. At least he was showing Funny. it. Um, and then Pascal, you know, maybe the matchup wasn't there. He was he scored 30 points on 13 field goal attempts yesterday. I thought the matchup was perfectly fine for yeah. him. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, down the stretch, who knows? Maybe they maybe they were they were I mean, sending, I, I, they they were were sending, sending two. two to the ball. They were. Yeah. Um, and, and even if Pascal got it in the corner to try to get it out of his hands. But that means there's four on three somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So for that much of the offense to run through Dennis can be tough. And on the season, in those situations, Dennis's usage rate spikes to 27.5%. Which means, yes, Scotty is still getting his touches. Maybe not even as much as you would as you would like, but but he's still getting his. And then Dennis is by far number two. And then there is a huge gap before anyone else. No one else is even above average usage in those situations. And again, that'd be one thing if he was cooking, if he was, you know, Lou Williams uh, back in his Raptors day or whatever as a closer. John Salmon's Mr. Fourth Quarter. Six um, men like Will Luke. Sorry. Um, Dennis Schroeder has a 41% true shooting percentage yeah, in those clutch yeah. minutes. That's really, really tough. It is harder to score in those situations generally, but this is where, you know, the fact that, hey, the offense is supposed to create more looks now is supposed to help. The fact that, you know, maybe you're not married to Yak being on the floor so you can get more spacing out there, yeah. that thing's supposed to help. The idea of Scotty and Pascal together is that if you treat Pascal the way the Heat did last night, Scotty's going to be able to get something going the other side. I just, it's really hard to see a scenario where, Dennis should be the number one option in those scenarios. Yeah, I agree with you, honestly. Um, it was the same point that we highlighted after the Raptors lost to Boston. Um, I thought there was a couple decisions there that you would probably want to take back. Um, this one was obviously the, the worst of the bunch. Um, my only, and I'm only saying this to play devil's advocate to sort of move the conversation along. I think if you're Darko, part of the reason you want to have Dennis have the ball late in the game is you probably feel... Like, he is your safest ball handler. He can get to different spots on the floor. Um, now, do you want him to always shoot out of those? Probably not. But also, at the same time, defensively, teams are covering. 
Scotty and Pascal much more than they're covering Dennis. The Heat came into last night's game with an approach of let's keep him open. Now, of course, that hurts the offense. Like, I'm not trying to like, mm-hmm. justify it. My point is, I'm thinking about from Dennis, from Darko's perspective, why would you consistently go to this option while part right. of it There's is There's an element of taking what the defense is giving you. If they're going to give you yeah. a, a 15-foot Dennis Schroeder open jumper and that's all you're getting, maybe you got to look to that. Do you agree with that kind of perspective? I mean, Again, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I just trying to move this conversation. I understand it being a part of your thought process. Okay. Um, but like last night, and this is a tough thing to say, right, as he comes on, I, I didn't even think Dennis should have been on the floor in the closeout minutes. Like, I thought he played that poorly a two-way game. So okay. then for him also to be the guy with the the kind of green light was uh, was a tough one for me. Dennis has actually played every single clutch minute for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, Pascal's the only other one who, who's done that. Hmm. Scotty doesn't have all of them because sometimes Darko's substitution pattern. Oh, we remember that game. That yeah. was the Celtics game. And, and even if it's yeah. not that game, there are some times where, like, he gets him back in at, like, the three-minute, 50-second yeah, mark yeah, or something right, like that. Right. So you're not getting all of it. But, um, yeah, Dennis has been on the floor for every single crunch time minute and, again, has this monster usage rate. And, look, I, I think for for Darko, clearly he came into this program with the intention of bringing in someone that he trusts to uh, to work with and to, to lead at least on the floor uh, if not off the floor as well, in Dennis, you know. And I would say on the on the overall, um, what the Raptors have gotten out of the signing has been plus value. Yeah. Has been good. But at the same time, it's about finding the balance. Yeah, that's where the nuance of this conversation. Yeah, between being a, a good player and being used optima, optimally. For sure. And that's, For sure. you know. So what, so what kind of late-game offense would you like to see? Because I, to me, that was just one part of the loss last night. As yeah. we detailed up top, defensively, that's where my frustrations were at its greatest. But... When we're talking about crunch time offense for the Raptors, how would you want to see it run? Who do you want to see it go through? And what does that look like? Yeah, I think last night was probably a night where I would have liked to try it with with the ball in Scotty's hands as the pseudo point guard. Um, Pascal was, again, drawing the most defensive attention because he'd been so, um, so, so, so efficient scoring all through the game. Again, 30 points on 13 field goal attempts. Six assists, only two turnovers. Like he he had it going, so they were they were bringing a lot of attention to him. Um, I thought with the overall level of play of everyone, that was a spot where Gary Trent could have slipped into Dennis Schroeder's spot, and that gives you an off ball option, and you run it through Scotty, and maybe he doesn't have the best matchup because the Heat have enough defenders that they still have a defender left over for Scotty. But at least then you get a little bit of spacing off the ball if Pascal does draw a double in the post, if Scotty does draw two off the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Scotty and Jakob develop a little bit of that pick and roll chemistry, but we don't get to see it a ton. Um, I, I think and. Look, sometimes this can be well. We have the benefit of hindsight, but this is something I was tweeting with about like whatever whatever yeah. the last time out was with like four minutes or three and a half minutes left. I tweeted as much. Um, you know, I just I just didn't think Dennis quite had it in that matchup against that defense and and something you know something where Gary Trent Jr. who had 15 points uh, again pretty efficiently shooting last night. Maybe that was the look. These things are obviously very tough to figure out. Um, you know, on the fly and in the moment though. Yeah, I hear that. Okay, let's bring in Dennis Schroeder. Uh, we understand Dennis is... Dennis, are you at the airport? Where are you at, man? Yeah, I'm at the airport. What's going on, Dennis? Uh, okay, so obviously we got to start with the game last night. It was a tough one. Uh, a lot of discussion around your performance from yesterday's game. Take us through it for, from your perspective. What did you see from the game last night, especially down the stretch? I mean, first half was was great. I mean, we had 20, I think, assists. As a team, um, but I think in the in the third and fourth quarter, um, 
we lost the game or I lost the game there, you know, even uh, end uh, of the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, I just didn't bring it on a defensive end, offensive end. Um, just me uh, being competitive and uh, I got to be honest, look in the mirror and there was, you know, there was a, uh, my game, I lost, you know, and uh, I apologize to the team, to everyone, um, because that's not who I who I am. Um, but I'm always honest to myself, um, and I got to be better. Dennis, I, I appreciate that level uh, of accountability you're having here with us and with the team. Um, this is maybe hard to, to answer, but what is the process like for you coming out of a game like that, you know, into practice today, into the flight today? Are you a big, hey, I got to watch back my film guy? Are you trying to flush it? Do you want to sit with that for a little bit as, as kind of, you know, motivation for the next game? How do you process a, a rough night? Uh, I mean, everybody can have rough nights, um, but at the end of the day, uh, my family, my kids, hmm. being around them, hmm. um, I mean, it's basketball at the end of the day. Of course, I want to give everything I have every single night. Some nights you don't have it. I don't want to have, you know, uh, a lot of nights like that because uh, I take a lot of pride in my in my work, what I do. But, I mean, the most important uh, in, in my life, you know, is my family. So, end of the day, uh, being around them, you know, before I went to practice, then letting my uh, teammates know, you know, that I... You know, I didn't mean to have a bad game, um, but we are athletes. At the end of the day, you know, we want to uh, make sure that we win as much games as possible. But, I mean, I didn't have it, you know, and uh, I just got to bounce back from that. I apologize to the team. It's like, listen, that wasn't uh, my best night, but um, it's not going to be like that no more. So um, everybody just got to look in the mirror, like I said, um, flush this one. I still watch a lot of film. Um so try to get better, you know, watch a lot of NBA games as well. So uh, I just try to learn uh, every single day, um, try to get better, you know, at basketball. And, um, yeah, I mean, flush that one because uh, there was uh, some trash. Um, but we are going to be, you know, uh, ready for tomorrow. Dennis, um, when, you, when, you, when you said you, you said you apologize to the team, what, uh, what did the teammates say about that? You know, like what's, the, what's their response? I mean, that was appreciative. I mean, they they uh, took it great. Uh, they said, listen, we all in that together. Uh, it was great um, to hear that as well because, you know, I try to bring this team uh, together and uh, we're still working on that team chemistry a little bit, you know, 21 games in, but the next uh, 19 games is going to, you know, kind of identify who we are as a team, you know, and uh, I think we got to make a big, big push here now. Um because we are a winning organization and um, the organization, front office, uh, president, owner, um, they, they want us to win games. So uh, we got to get it together. Dennis, you mentioned the, the chemistry component yes, last night. Um, you know, there was the close up, but you guys also dug a bit of a hole early on. Darko was asked after the game if he's considered any lineup changes at all, changing the rotation pattern. Um, do you guys ever like, practice that or do you do you pretty much just run as the starting five when you guys are going through practices and scenarios and things like that uh i mean practice is almost uh, not always the same but um of course you got some um different lineups out there uh, because it's practice everybody getting to know each other 
Um, but at the end of the day, uh, like I said to uh, to to my teammates, uh, everybody as an individual got to look in the mirror because I mean that game last night was on me for sure uh, at the end. But I mean we 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 still got 12 guys out there plus a coach, you know, plus an organization. At the end of the day, everybody just got to look in the mirror, be better on the defensive end, guarding one on one, being shifts, follow the system and the game plan. And uh, uh, when we do that, you know, uh, we're capable of beating good teams and we just got to, you know, stick to it. Dennis, um, not to linger, this is the last question I'm going to ask you on last night, but when you have a tough night, do you avoid social media? Because I think for people like us, we're, we're on social media like pretty much all the time, part of our jobs. It's like an overwhelming amount of response. And I can only imagine how much you get as an athlete. So what is your approach to dealing with that after a tough game or even after a good game? No, I, mean, I, I do the same thing. I mean, that's not going to define me if I, if I post, uh, if my uh, drop tomorrow coming out, you know, for that stuff, my closing line or a YouTube video dropping. So yeah. at the end of the day, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's still the same energy, you know. Um, I mean, to have 82 games uh, in a season and six months, what you're putting on your body, the pressure, um, all the fans who's out there try to cheer for you i mean it comes a lot you know with being a professional athlete and playing in the nba yeah so at the end of the day i'm uh, i'm grateful of course but um it's not gonna change if i have a bad game or i lost the game i'm gonna still keep the same energy came same energy when i got to the arena today uh, to the facility um being around my teammates still the same thing um I mean, I've been here uh, 11 years now, so, yeah. no, go ahead. Uh, 11 years, and, I mean, if uh, somebody outside of, you know, my teammates and my family telling me I can't do nothing, I'll need to hear it because they probably never, you know, been on that court and uh, did something. So, at the end of the day, I know who I can trust, who I can talk to, and um, I know what I'm capable of. So, um, you got to be confident. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's about it. Dennis, um, you, you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago that these next 19 games will kind of define who you guys are. I, I know you talked about that at practice the other day as well. Um, when you look at what this team's done so far and what you guys could be at the midway point or, or heading into the trade deadline, what do you think is the potential of this group? I mean, like I said before, I mean, uh, coming into training camp, I think we got, you know, so much talent, so much people... Um, you know, who can play different roles uh, defensively, how we can change up things. I think we can make it really, really tough on teams. Um, but like I said, it's, it comes with a sacrifice for everyone, uh, putting the ego to the side, starting with me, you know, um, being together more, enjoy togetherness. Um, and uh, if we do that, then sky's the limit. I don't even put a goal on it, you know, but... Um, I think the next 19 games, how we, you know, approach the games on the defensive side of the ball as well. And it starts with me picking up, picking up uh, full court, 94 feet, and uh, making sure everybody's engaged. Um, we we got to do that. And if we do that, then, uh, like I said, sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, another thing around the team that I wanted to get to. So this has become a big headline this week. But I, Darko said he will treat the team to dinner for after three wins. Now, this became like a big thing on social media once again. Uh, sorry to go back to this all the time. Can you take us behind this? Like, whose idea was this? Uh, and also, you know, is, it, is that a motivating factor as a player to hear something like that? 
I mean, to get dinner, to get free meals, always. Uh, <laughs> okay. But right. uh, at the end of the day, no, I mean, you want to take our job serious. Uh, coach is always, always great about, you know, coming together as a team, having dinner. And uh, I think that's um, another thing what I want to take, you know, more part of uh, and want to do more um, of it, being together off the court as well. You know, um, when we get to Charlie, tonight you know try to find something where we can eat dinner um together as a team just to come you know come together um talk about life talk about kids family whatever um can be investments or you know it can be a lot of things where mm -hmm. we can talk about um just to get to know uh, the person you know who you go to battle with every single night and um like i said that's i'm from europe that's what we do there kind of with the national team that's how we got to our success and mm -hmm. Um, when everybody, I think, really trusts in that, um, I think it's going to be really, really scary. But um, everybody got to buy into that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I want to pivot away and ask about your former team. The Lakers are into the semifinals of the in-season tournament. Uh, I just want to ask, do you still keep in touch with those guys? I, I know, obviously, you, you speak really fondly about, you know, guys like LeBron, guys like Austin Reeves. Um, nice. Do you still keep in touch with those guys? Because, you know, they're, they're in Vegas now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I stay in contact, uh, of course, with them. Uh, we was in Cleveland together. Um, when we played against Cleveland, they had a back-to-back, -back, um, and the Lakers was in town. And, of course, I, I keep in touch with them. Um, great relationships. Uh, one second. Um, I mean, great relationships. I mean, we, you know, like I said, basketball is always um, the the... the I mean, that's what we do for a job, but all the relationships you keep, um, you know, all the friendships, uh, that's the most important. And the family, you know. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I watched the game, of course, as well. Was really happy for AR. But like I said, friendship uh, in the NBA, being around those guys, um, they, they became family kind of to me. So... Um, of course, I, I love what they're doing over there, and I love, um, you know, that they that they uh, went to Vegas. And uh, I'm gonna watch the games uh, today and tomorrow. I think it is, or yeah, tomorrow and uh, no, tonight and the day after, uh, watching that. And um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, you know, I guess the last thing on the instance tournament was how much was it on your mind the 500k? Just because this is all people talk about on the broadcast. They keep saying Vegas is on the line, 500K is on the line. When you went into these season tournament games, did you think in the back of your mind, like, yo, if we win four of these, we got 500K? Uh, I mean, everybody was in the locker room, of course, talking about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, it's still a regular season game. And okay. uh, I think um, uh, it keeps people engaged early. You know that people, yeah. uh, the in-season tournament is kind of like a playoff game because it's a you know knockout round after that, and um, I think it's uh, it's a great thing for the league, and um, it makes it really competitive, and uh, of course, five hundred thousand, um, it's, it's it's a big number, you know, for for each person, and uh, that motivates for sure as well. Yeah, uh, I would have loved a chance ever in my life to see that kind of number. But we're going to let you go, man. You're going to catch your flight, maybe get a Starbucks or something. But uh, we'll, we'll call you next week, Dennis, and uh, hopefully you guys turn it around, all right? All right, man. Appreciate it. All right.
That was Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, uh, look, I obviously appreciate him joining us from like literally walking through Pearson. Uh, that Pearson Wi-Fi, though. The Pearson Wi-Fi, it, it was a little tough. But also at the same time, just like like a lot of players don't want to talk to media after games. And I understand that we have this weekly thing with Dennis. You know, he trusts us. He understands sort of the conversations we're going to have. But he knows he's going to be asked about what happened last night, the bad shots. And I appreciate the fact that he right away said, you know, that game was on me. He said like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that to his teammates as well. You know, I Which think, is obviously never. It's never one person. No. It's, he didn't miss every assignment, but, but bro, the, the level on. of he, accountability. He, a lot of on this yeah, he did, yeah. and especially the offensive end late. It's like I said, I didn't yeah. think he should be on the floor at the end of the game. Yeah, and it sounds like he, you know, takes accountability for for that, which is, is huge. And I think that's an important, you know, when the Raptors talk about you know rebuilding the culture and stuff like that, that's an important element of it. You don't want to be pointing fingers or, or you know shirking from the accountability if you do have a rough one down the stretch. There is a big key. It's like it's it's a big personality trait to be able to be the same person even when you're not winning. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to say I appreciate Dennis for joining us on the show. But we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to step away to do an interview for tomorrow. But uh, you've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Raptors Show. I'm Blake Murphy. Will Lou uh, off to pre-tape something for tomorrow's show, hopefully. So I am joined by Alex Wong. How you doing, man? What's going on, my brother? Um, just to let everybody know, Will is um, securing a prominent Japanese um, athlete right Shohei now. Shohei Otani? So we're, we we scooped a Japanese athlete before uh, Rogers did. But or technically, will, I but guess will, we are Rogers. But will the interview air before the Blue Jays <laughs> land one? That's a big question. That is honestly a big question. Um, but yeah, second segment here, we're joined by friend of the program, Vivek Jacob. Big V, Big VZ. What's going on, VZ? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring all the Blue Jays good vibes that I can. Nice. Got the bat flip on. Is that, is that a cricket? Know, is that a cricket shirt? Cheers. Is that a cricket? Oh, oh okay. It's a. Oh, it's a baseball shirt. Here's My bad. hoping for you know the biggest Blue Jays moment since the bat flip. Damn, I love that, man. But I, v- I can't believe you're just forgetting cricket day at the ballpark like that. You're just throwing it out like it wasn't one of the highlights uh, of like, the Jays' season. Like I didn't give you two cricket jerseys from that giveaway, my brother. Come on. Man. I'll wear that next time. I'll wear that next time. If, if, if Shohei comes, I'll wear that. Wow. Well, Shohei has and, to come now because I, I need to see Vivek on Front Street and a <laughs> intersection not mentioned. Shohei uh, has to come too because the, the more we could talk about Shohei, the less we have to talk about games like... Uh, like yeah, yesterday's. games like last night, V. So, you know, we were talking in the first segment, obviously had, had Dennis on as well to chat about the disappointing loss. And I think one of the things we didn't get to, wanted to get um, the two of you guys' thoughts on, was, you know, Scotty didn't really pick up pick it up until the fourth quarter last night. And he's obviously been really good, you know, overall this first quarter of the season. But, you know, that that was a game, I think, from Scotty that reminded me a lot of a lot of games from last season, right? Where you check the box score, you didn't really feel his presence, and then he kind of comes on late. Uh, what, did, what did you see last night from, from Scotty's performance? 
Yeah, like you said, a lot of what we saw last season where he didn't really seem to have it early. He didn't seem to be fully engaged on the offensive end, not, you know, dictating the tempo as we've seen for much of this early season. And I think one of the interesting things to track going forward is we've talked a lot about his conditioning and he's talked about it as a priority over the off season. And it's one thing to have that energy for the first 20 or so games. It's another thing to have it for 40 games, 60 games, 80 games, plus playoffs, whatnot. And so I think this is going to be the next step uh, in tracking where that's at. Obviously he's doing a lot on the offensive end, a lot on the defensive end and how does that play out? Can he sustain what he's shown for the majority of these 20-ish games uh, for the remainder of the season? So what do you think? Uh, and obviously some of this is on Scotty Barnes as well. You know, certainly the lineups where he's not the point guard, someone's got to get him the ball or, or the offense has to get him the ball uh, in certain situations. What can the Raptors do to try to get him going a little bit earlier into games? Because again, this... This does not make he's a very good in the fourth quarter is a bad thing, but it is there is a bit of a contrast in in how he starts and how he closes. And I wonder how much of that V you think is due to the way the entire starting group starts, especially on nights like last night. Yeah, I think there is something to the fact that, you know, the Raptors coming into this season talked about how they wanted to have uh, Jakob Pertl uh, heavily involved in the offense, using him at the elbows uh, and, I think as a result, there's a lot of different things going on in the first quarter, and it's not a, a sort of seamless offense between five players just working as a whole. And so everyone kind of gets their turn, and Scotty kind of gets lost in there. And uh, I think Scotty's that unselfish type of player that's looking to fit in. But I think in the fourth quarter, we really sort of see him take charge and we don't see Jacoberto play a lot in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I think the other part of that too uh, is, you know, you go back to the point guard, he, he's got to set the tone and along with Darko Rayakovic would be like, Hey, we need Scotty to start off strong. So let's really almost, you know, force feed him uh, to get him going and work off of that. Uh, and I think that's where some of the changes need to happen. Yeah. You talk about the slow starts and things like that. I know a lot of chatter, on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, you know, after the game about just like maybe a change to the starting lineup, how like, you know, we can possibly shake it up. The team is nine and 12 right now, you know, pretty disappointing through the first quarter plus of the season. What do you think about potentially having a discussion about changing the starting five? I do think something needs to change at this point. We've seen enough poor starts. Uh, and uh, obviously last night we saw that in the first quarter, we saw that in the third quarter, and at a certain point, you just have to look at it and say, okay, you know, you can't have, uh, you know, those Washington Wizards comebacks be, uh, you know, the example. That's the exception, right? That, that's not the norm. And so I think that that's where you have to raise the red flag right now and say something's got to change, whether it's uh, Dennis Schroeder coming out, whether it's Jakob Pertl coming out. I think that's the debate uh, that you've got to have whether you want to put uh, that much on Scotty's plate uh, in terms of playing center minutes. Uh, obviously, he's done well uh, playing the five this season, but I think that is a serious conversation to be had, especially when you're talking about conditioning and, hey, how do we get him to give maximum energy for four quarters? Can you really afford uh, to have Jakob Pertl be out of the starting lineup and put that much more on Scotty's plate? 
whoever were to come out of those lineups, whether it's Schroeder or Pirtle, whether you even keep them in as starters, but they're the first guys to sub out instead of Scotty subbing out and then subbing back in to run the bench. Um, in terms of who would come into that spot, is that a pretty clear Gary Trent for the spacing effect for you? Yeah, no question. I, I think when you look at the issues for this team, it, it is obviously the spacing on the floor. When you look at Gary Trent Jr.'s success as a starter, when you look at uh, the way he's able to operate off of a Pascal Siakam, off of a Scotty Barnes, I think that's uh, the no-brainer switch. And I, I think you have to at least see how that plays up for a little bit. Uh, the other maybe you know, wild card option that I would throw out there. Don't say and, precious. Like, You're going to say precious? <laughs> no, I'm okay. not. It, and but this is again a, a real wild card because availability is such a big question mark. Is Otto Porter Jr. Oh, I, I like I that one. He's yeah. someone that could fit in well in a smaller five, but because of the lack of certainty over how many games he can start, how many games he can play, period, uh, that becomes a, a tough one to sell. Yeah, but this is like I know we've had these conversations the last couple of years too, like last year about hey, should we get Gary into the starting lineup? etc like to me like these are short-term fixes and again the bigger problem is there's just not enough talent on the roster like it's no disrespect to gary and no disrespect to Otto porter either but if these are your solutions right now of like juicing the starting lineup then you're going to create a problem with the second unit i think because like there's just not enough there as well like it's just there's there's not enough talent on this roster like it's frustrating for me that we have to talk about this exact topic over and over again. Especially when you compare it, when you look across to the Miami Heat, who there was a long stretch of time where the Raptors and the Heat for like five, six years in the league were like one, two in terms of who uses the G League best, who finds undervalued draft picks and, and undrafted free agents best, um, who is able to get the most out of those like really marginal transactions that don't cost you a lot. But last night, the, the Heat close a game with like nobody who makes any money in three of the rotation spots um v you were in mississauga with me not that long ago watching a 905 game um how frustrating is that for you to to look across and see hey miami's been able to sustain that part of their identity forever really and that's an area where you know you really feel it on the raptor side yeah i think the most frustrating aspect of the franchise over the last few years is seeing their competitive advantages dissipate number one being hey what was the talent that you're getting out of the 905? Number two being, hey, what's the internal development that's happening w within the roster? Number three, uh, how are you turning over this roster, right? Like you, you talked about uh, recently that Rudy Gay trade, the 10-year anniversary, and drawing the lineage from that. You're seeing players now with less and less of a lineage <laughs> because the Raptors aren't able to get that turnover, right, and get that return. We look at, uh, you know, Trades like Terrence Ross, uh, trades like DeMar DeRozan with these huge gains. Uh, and now that's not happening as consistently. And that's led to the lack of depth. You look at the drafting, uh, the scouting uh, that's been going on there. You, you question that to an extent as well. So I think the complete loss of the competitive advantages that the Raptors have had uh, for pretty much the entire We the North era and that whole run uh, that has probably been the most frustrating part of watching the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think adding to the frustration this year, I mean, to last night, you look at someone throughout the season like Jaime Jaquez, like I'm just looking at the draft board, like he was taken 18th. And again, I know it's super early, so we're not going to be like calling Grady Dick a bus or anything, but it's like, you know, I'm looking at the way he's contributing. 
Um, and I'm looking at some of these other players like Keontae George and Utah and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, there's a difference. And I think adding to the frustration this year is like we're repeatedly watching these players like Malachi, like Precious, like all these players, however, however much you want to believe in their long-term potential. But it's like I feel like some of these players in terms of their development – have run their course and like at what point are we bringing in people to actually contribute well and this is my thing and i have an article coming up at sportsnet.ca tomorrow that looks at some of these lineup questions and it's like okay well you can you can understand the rotation patterns and lineup decisions one way if all that matters is winning right now there's a certain group of guys you would use and then there's a certain group of guys you would use that if you were only trying to develop long term this is what it would look like but that those choices of the develop long-term side are, are not really that interesting. Like, like mm-hmm. I've heard people say to the Barnes and Bench units that haven't been that successful, um, well, you know, you, you need Barnes needs to learn to, to play with those guys and you want to see what you have. Really? In, in what scenario are the Raptors good where he's surrounded by Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua, Jalen McDaniels, and I don't know, like Chris Boucher or Otto Porter who are like 30? Yeah. You think Scotty trying to stay in that scenario long term? I mean, if you keep trying to expand out and have like bigger big, and bigger conversations – about the team, like, that's another issue for me, and I think you bring up a really good point. So, yeah, I don't know, V. Like, I, I'm, I'm obviously frustrated. You know, I don't even care about basketball, so you know this is a serious situation, brother. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think, again, the fundamental issue is a lot of us have run out of patience, but it seems like the front office hasn't, right? And mm-hmm. this has been their MO over the years, right? Like, if you look back in terms of maybe some people feeling frustration with Dwayne Casey, but Masai persisted and persisted with that for longer than people expected. And you look at some of the frustrations that some people maybe felt with DeMar DeRozan and, people pers- and the front office persisted with that until it was like literally slapped in their face that okay something has to change here and so i think we are uh well past that point again where it's like hey something has to change we keep seeing the same thing over and over again and i think you know coming back to the point about drafting and you're talking about these useful guys like keontae george and Jaime Haquez, when i look at the last couple of years for the raptors it's they've almost backed themselves into a corner because of Vision 6-9, where it was like they went into the last year's draft and said, okay, we have to get a big man in. And so you get Christian Coloco. Then this year it's like, okay, we have to get shooting. So we get Grady Dick. And, you know, maybe if there was better roster balance, you could have been able to look at the situation more as, hey, let's just get the best player out there. That, and that's, you know, that's part of what had made them successful drafting in the past. Sometimes there are picks that, you know, make you scratch your head on the surface if all you're looking at is the fit now. And it's like, it's one thing if you're Miami and you take Jaime Hawkes because he fits now. He's a four-year senior at a major program who's already, I think, 23, right? Like, that's very different than taking Grady Dick, who's 19 at the time, and you're looking more like, okay, by the end of his rookie contract, he should be contributing X amount for us. Um, but again, this is where the kind of them trying to do twin track of we're going to develop while we win leaves you in a position where you're not good enough, you're you're not developing enough, you're not winning enough, and then those decisions you have to make on future picks or making a trade at last year's deadline, things like that, they don't really suit either direction uh, that particularly well. It's not a it's not a great spot to be. No man, and and like. I don't know how often you guys are looking at the standings this early in the season, but it's like, 
you know, if you have aspirations of being in the top six, I would go ahead and say you got to be, you know, an above 500 team at least. And otherwise, if you're hovering over 500, you know, the Raptors right now are 11th, just outside of the play-in. Like, I don't see a lot of, like, upward mobility for this team as they're currently constructed, right? Like, we joke about, like, Darko having a pizza party if they win three in a row, but it's like, yeah, it's the fact that they haven't been able to string together anything consistent, right? And, like, Blake, we've talked about this so much, like, because we do a daily show, like, sometimes we'll celebrate aspects of the team coming off a win, and they've had a few impressive wins, but it's like, you don't know what you're going to get from this team from night to night. You don't even know what you're getting from them from uh, half to half. You know, they put together, I thought, a pretty good first half yesterday, and then they came out and just gave it all away. So, like, I don't know, man. I don't even know what point I'm trying to make, V. Um, well, the, it's just frustrating. Yeah, and to your point about the standings, the, the you know, the, over the last five years, you have to be six games over 500 to finish top six in either conference. Mm-hmm. The last time someone wasn't that far above 500 and finishing six was the, the title year for the Raptors. So, like, mm-hmm. the bar is higher than than what the and like yes two teams went through the play in last year yeah, and but let's yeah and went on a run we got to be the, realistic the Raptors, about that yeah, yeah. and the, you know the upside coming into this year we all talked about was well they're going to be about this and then the upside is well what if Scotty Barnes takes a leap Scotty Barnes has been way better this year than he was last year and they're still in this spot so even the like one of the big upside boxes has been checked i, I guess v to kind of round out the Raptors side of the conversation like at this point, have you downgraded what your upside for this group looks like? I mean, I don't know if it was that high to begin with. So, you know, I thought this was about a 500 team. They're playing about 500 basketball. And, you know, I think when I think big picture, what frustrates me is looking forward and not really being able to anticipate a major change because Masai Ujiri is on the record saying that big moves are for the offseason, not the trade deadline. Where and was so, his big move this offseason? Yeah, well, if it, he defended that by saying that he considered the coaching change a big move. Okay. And so They're 9 and 12. That's, yeah. yeah that, 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 again, that's where the frustration also adds up, right? And so you've once again put yourself in this corner where you're saying, okay, if you're not going to make big moves uh, at the trade deadline, you're talking about Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. potentially going into another summer where you're just wondering what might be with, with these potential free agents. Yeah, and I think, forget about the standings too, man. Like, I'm looking at this. They're like three games back of like the Pacers to get to the 60. But the golf is way bigger than that when you look at the roster and you look at the long-term questions. And like we're sitting here talking about like, whether to put Otto Porter or Gary into the starting lineup as like a short-term fix. Like it's, this team just feels very far away. And I just, the pizza party thing tough. is like, we're going to joke about it too much. And, <laughs> but like, it really has like, you know, there's wins and losses. And then Alex, your favorite wins and lessons. And no, we, got wins are, a, we got wins and pizza it wins and leftovers <laughs> Yo, to keep it with the, the WNL theme. Oh, uh, v, let, let's pivot oh. quick. We only got like, Two two and a half minutes left here, but uh, in season tournament semis start tonight. Bucks Pacers has the highest over under in the NBA in thirty years. Uh, no how, how are you feeling about these games? Oh man, I've been loving the in season tournament. Tyrese Halliburton is an absolute stud. I love watching him play. Looking forward to that matchup. Uh, and you know, I think what's going to be really fun is the fact that the Bucks have not been uh, as good defensively this year. And so the Pacers will be looking at this situation and saying, hey, 
we can run at these guys and we can, you know, push the tempo and make this a track meet and maybe we can get over, you know, what is it, 256 and a half? Yeah. Man, there's a there's a hungover in Vegas at, at what, two PM um local time game. It's gonna Yes. It's gonna be pretty wild. Don't man. mind cutting my night short to be there at two PM. <laughs> <laughs> no, last night was mad real, man. Um but um yeah, I don't know. What else? V V who you got? Pick pick your winner for the uh for the IST. Man, I I wanna ride the Pacers. Uh so I'm gonna go with the upset there. Okay. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Double upset, man. Let's let's get the Pacers and the Pelicans. Uh oh. Let's have the NBA nightmare. About to be the worst <laughs> ratings ever um, for an in-season tournament final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna want to post those on the uh, NBA official account. <laughs> well, Blake and I will talk more about the in-season tournament. Um, though, literally ten. Enough sec- of the rich getting richer. Literally ten seconds for you, V. Um, if the Raptors do win three straight, uh, where would you take them for uh, for dinner? Oh man, uh, we're gonna go to Banjara soon. Don't worry. Once again, uh, I'm not gonna make the joke on air. Uh, have a good one, Lil VZ. Uh, check out Vivek's work. Follow him at Vivek Jacob. <laughs> Vivek M Jacob? Yeah. Is it Vivek M Jacob or Vivek Jacob? Tell me, V. Vivek M Jacob. There we go. See, I know you, brother. Um, okay, see ya, Jacob. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, go around the NBA a little bit more. That'll depend if Will lose joining us uh, again in the next segment. We'll see how it goes. We'll do a little triple N. We'll do a little around the NBA, and we're gonna give away some quarter of the season poll uh, awards that we made up. All that's coming up in the second hour of the Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show. I'm Blake Murphy. Will Lou will be back in a couple of minutes here off doing a, a tape for tomorrow's show which should be a lot of fun and maybe won't age well if a certain baseball player makes his decision in the next uh, 24 hours or so. We'll see how that goes. Alex Wong still alongside me. What's up, man? Yo, listen, man. Like I said last segment, we landed a prominent Japanese athlete before uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. So we should uh, give ourselves uh, props for that. Yeah, give yourself a little pat on the back. Show to Daniele once again for helping behind the scenes. So. Yeah, if uh, if anyone deserves that high-end suite with a five-year commitment that the, <laughs> the the Blue Jays need to sign Shohei Otani to make sure they fill, uh, it's you and Daniele uh, pulling that together you know, for sure. I was going to say, too, it's... Is today Thursday? Yeah, today's yeah, Thursday. Sorry, it's somehow. Been, a, been a weird week, but I still don't got anybody uh, for the chain. Somebody got to mm. step up and take this chain for tomorrow. That's interesting. Yeah, no one's been any help whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nobody. No, nobody has helped us behind the scenes. No, man. we went to we went to Toman and asked him to raise the rent. Just just <laughs> how much we believed in the grind. No one helping us out. Should we give it to Sports Oh, I can't even make you, that. You joke know what on is air. helping Never us mind. out? Never mind. Though um, this is an awkward pivot. You know what is helping us out? <laughs> Having in season tournament games to talk about because <laughs> obviously, that. look, the Raptors just went four days without a game. Then they played one that it was the exact same as their last couple, and yeah. there's not a ton um, to really talk about. If this were just regular, regular season games, and right now I tried to bring up Pacers-Bucks to you, mm-hmm. you would probably be like, 
what like yeah i'd be like hell, i'd be like did you stop watching the orlando magic this week what's yeah. going on my brother um, uh, by the way paolo bancaro 42 last night and they lost the cleveland oh okay okay um see i wanted to ask you for the in-season tournament here is amongst the four teams that are left right so we mm-hmm. know it's milwaukee indiana the lakers and pelicans like what's what's the best or worst case scenario in terms of like who do you think is like the best case scenario for a winner for the league or for me as a fan? Yeah, just like I think in general, like what would be just like, hey, if the because it's a lot different if the Pacers win versus if the Lakers win. Yeah, is, I, is I, what I'm trying to say. I yeah. think the league would prefer the Lakers or Bucks to win. And I don't mean okay. this from a market perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean it from a, it establishes that really good teams with championship aspirations will care about the in-season tournament. The Lakers okay. are in title or bust mode because they have LeBron. Mm-hmm. The Bucks went out and got Damian Lillard to pair with Giannis. Like both of those teams have eyes on the championship. Mm-hmm. And for the NBA, I think one of those teams also winning the in-season tournament says, hey, this is a competitive thing that real contending teams care about. From a fun and fan perspective, yeah. I think it's pretty clearly the Pacers. They're, they've been, yeah. you know, they're the, the upstart. They're going to take one of the biggest jumps in win totals this year. They have this tremendously fun style of play led by this tremendously fun player mm-hmm. in Tyrese Halliburton, who's been the breakout player of uh, the in-season tournament so far. So I think that's it on the fan side. So maybe the best case scenario here is we get Pacers-Lakers as mm-hmm. a final and you get a little bit of both and you get – you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis putting it on the line to try to beat this upstart team that's an underdog. And yes, that arena will be Lakers fan heavy because Vegas is so close. But maybe you do get a little bit of the Rocky Four. You know, Lakers fans start cheering for the Pacers because it's such a fun story. If I can change and you can change, uh, et cetera. I, I think maybe that's the best case scenario here. I, I realize that Giannis against LeBron or Giannis and Dame against LeBron and AD mm. is the easiest sell. But for the future of the in-season tournament, I kind of think Pacers-Lakers most compelling. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Too. I know you guys joked, kind of joked about this with Dan Waikie earlier this week it's like oh if lebron wins he's gonna make sure that the in-season tournament championship is like part of his resume oh yeah right i I really wonder and like seriously it's like say if the pelicans win and you know zion williamson brendan ingram's got that in-season championship on their resume tyrese halliburton's a great example like man like do we kind of talk about them kind of in a way it's like oh he's a two-time all-star he was incredible in the semifinals and the finals of, of the in-season tournament. Yeah, like, in-season tournament MVP. Yeah, does that add? A, I, I know it's not the yeah. MVP. It's not the championship. And does it add a little bit over time? It's yeah. something, yeah, it's something that we probably can't answer until like five years down yeah. the line. But the NBA is committed to this. The ratings have been very big for it. As long as this Vegas aspect goes according to plan, I think they're going to continue to push it. So, yeah, I think it'll be something that gets mentioned but i think it'll probably be closer to the way we talk about all-star nods um where like that is absolutely a case when you're talking about someone's hall of fame case or something like that but it's not a be like you don't win 10 you don't make 10 nba all-star games and you're guaranteed to be you know a top 25 player of all time it'll be more of well this is you know part of the resume certainly but we don't weigh it as high as end of season awards or as high as playoff success um that doesn't mean it can't be very valuable because the all-star game you know, we're, we're getting close to all-star voting start time now. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, content that for decades now has been something NBA fans talk about and reference and, and reference currently, reference in Hall of Fame debates, all sorts of things. The other thing that it could give us, Alex, I know you made the joke yesterday about the Boston Celtics only have one NBA or in-season tournament victory since 1986. Yep. The Pacers of the Bucks beat LeBron James in the finals. Yeah. You get... 
MJ never lost in the NBA Finals or the in-season tournament finals. Because mm. that's like a big thing that MJ over LeBron people, even Man. though LeBron has made way more finals, yeah. Michael's 6-0 and there, LeBron's 4-6, and six, uh, and now you could add in, well, LeBron never lost in the in-season tournament final. I think what we need is uh, MJ courtside with his gambling ticket taking the Pacers' money line over the Lakers. Oversized jeans are coming back in, by the way, so they Michael Jordan are. courtside could be a look. Yeah, we'll lose so, back. Uh, we'll, I'm wearing them right now. I William, got oversized jeans on me right now. They're, they're get, barely Get up oversized. and do a little spin for us in front of the in front of the desk. <laughs> now, what your, uh, us, man. Me showing Utah Watanabe my Blue inter- Jays jersey. The interview is done, right? I can finally promote it. The interview is officially done. Utah Watanabe on the show tomorrow unless Shohei Otani signs during the 2 to 4 p.m. hour. Don't worry. Even if he signs, man. He, he gave me some great stuff. It's great Damn. chatting with Utah. By the way, after this is totally off topic, but just to tease it tomorrow, Utah was going to sign with a 905. If the if no other team was going to sign him, that's how much he wanted to stay in Toronto. The year he left Toronto, wow. And when he went to Brooklyn instead, of he course sh- that changed his career. It was a great decision, but damn. He, sh- he should tell Shohei Otani how much he loves Toronto. I also got him to pitch uh, Shohei Otani because he's actually friends, and I told him pitch him on what it's like to live in Toronto. Okay, cannibalize your own show and post that clip today. Man. I'm <laughs> going to do that as soon as we have another break here. But yeah. uh, what are you guys doing over here, guys? We're, yeah. just, talking uh, we're talking a big VZ uh, last segment. Yeah, yeah what do you um, say? I we were just here. tearing up the Raptors about how if your only solution is bringing Gary or Otto into the starting lineup, mm. it's a cry for help. It is a cry yeah. for help. Um, we were yeah. talking a little bit about the contrast of like the Heat have continued finding undervalue guys, yeah. whereas the Raptors had an era of that and haven't been able to, and that's why... You know, you're trying to decide, like, hey, is Malachi Flynn still in the rotation because he's the only other point guard on the roster? Or like, is he out of the what's rotation? What's the point of that at this point? Yeah, and, like, okay, they need to find more room for Scotty at point guard lineups anyway, so why don't you just do it then because Malachi has kind of played his way back out. I, I'm not even trying to pick on Malachi. who only played six minutes last night, but... By the way, first time since the second game of the year that he didn't play at least 11 minutes. Uh, did you see Desmond Bain have 49 last mm-hmm. night? Okay, right. put, <laughs> we can put the Desmond Bain thing aside because that's too painful. Th- anyway. That's like 60 points if he had normal people length arms. Oh, he oh. beat the Detroit Wingstop Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Malachi Flynn joined the Raptors at the same time. I believe that was the same year that the Heat signed both Gabe Vincent and Max Strews. Wow. They, they got a BOGO? <laughs> they fully developed those guys who they didn't even use draft picks on. I think they're both undrafted. Yeah. Fully developed those guys into pieces that they made two finals runs with. Yep. Or one finals run with. Uh, but, you know, multiple conference finals runs with. Let them move on to the point where they were able to get paid tons of money, right? And, and rightfully so. They developed themselves into who they are in this league. Gabe Vincent went to a winning program in the Lakers. Max Struess came to uh, Cleveland, and obviously he had that 20-point quarter against the Raptors. They're now in their full second cycle of player development now. They're now the cycle now is like whoever we saw last night, Jaime Jaquez, whoever uh, you know, we saw O Dog, Orlando or, Robinson. Orlando Robinson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not quite Clifford or Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um and like they're already getting those guys up to the speed now where it's like I'm Caleb Martin. And like by the way, those guys were not the first wave. Like before that, like Duncan Robinson mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a young piece and we've kind of traced his his history um, as well. And, like, he's another undrafted guy that they turned into right. someone. Now, they kept him, and they kept him around. And, you know, they're not perfect, right? Like, the Justice Winslow thing didn't – I mean, he was fine, but it didn't work out to the level yeah, yeah. that they had maybe hoped. Derek Jones Jr. didn't really figure it out completely until I mean, he went somewhere else. Yeah, but he's still a, a league player. Um, man, even, like – I guess Bam was a lottery pick, so it's not – it's not no, but no crazy, one thought Bam like, coming into the league was going to be like what they, they are. They also yeah. hit on Bam based on the position where they drafted. They hit, even Tyler he, Hero, they hit on. Like yeah. my point is just like the Heat are through a cycle and a half 
of player development. In the same time, we're still putting the arm around Malachi. And that's Malachi, even, who, by the way, in year four is still the person people point to when it's like, well, the Raptors should play like a more youth-oriented lineup or a more long-term lineup. It's like you have Grady Dick, who's with the 905, and two guys who are headed into restricted free agency this summer because after four years or mm-hmm. three three years and change so far, Flynn and Achua still haven't really established what they are. Yeah. I, I guess my point, again, this is not even about Malachi. It's just the fact is that they've been able to um, – it, it's quite possible to develop in that way. Right, you can't tell me that. Okay, every guy that you bring in undrafted is just here for a little cup of coffee, and then they leave, and they don't really do any impact. When Miami's right there, and they're doing it time after time after time, and so, you did it for a while, exactly. Yourself, we just right? need to like, get, we need to get back to that level, no matter and, what it is. And like some of the reality is that like these instances are so low percentage that you're just going to miss on some, right? Like no one is going yeah. to like the Heat have missed on some guys. They just don't become a part of the story, and they they go off somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. that's. You know, that's part of it, but you they have hit on enough guys to continue that. Um, so some of it is it's hard, but the Raptors, like, they, it's been a couple of whiffs now. Like, yeah, they do not have, for a team that is having one foot in the rebuilding lane, I know they don't have a lot of old players who play, but, like, Pascal will turn 30 by the end of this season. Jakob Pertl will turn, or Jakob Pertl is only 28, but, like, those two, Dennis is older than both of those guys. Dennis is already 30. He'll be 31 heading into next year. Like, Chris Boucher is 30 mm-hmm. and is about to turn 31. Like, Otto Porter is a Otto terrible. will remain 30. <laughs> yeah. Otto actually yeah. will just stay at 30. Like, the, yeah. they're not built like a rebuilding yeah. or development team. And this is, you know, again, this comes up in the article I'm writing, and it will be up at sportsnet.ca tomorrow about some of the lineup stuff. It's just like, this not picking either path means that neither path right now is as attractive as it could look like. They're not good enough to be competitive and this future does not look bright enough other than like Scotty Barnes is probably a star, but that's like one player does not do much for you in the, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love what Otto Porter brings to the table when he plays, but when that's an actual conversation of is Otto Porter going to be in the rotation going forward? I'm like, what kind of goals are we striving towards? short-term and long-term. Like, this really a team going nowhere right now. And it's been like that for too long. Yeah. It's unacceptable. It is. I don't know why I'm so angry. Is this what you guys were talking about before I crashed? Oh, we were blasting the the Raptors for, like, yeah. Because you're paid paid by Rodgers and you're not willing to do it. (laughs) Apparently, yeah, you guys are. Apparently, I get a different check. You guys are doing this pro bono. (laughs) Call me Bono. Anyways, let's get to a nice, nice noise. All right, Blake, quick explanation for, you know, those who may be tuning in for the very first time. All right, pretty straightforward. I will give you guys a stat or a trend, and you guys will tell me if it's noise, which means you don't think it's true. It's just not going to sustain over a larger sample, noise. Um, even though we are a quarter of the way into the season. Uh, if it's nice, which is you believe in it and you want it to stick around or think it could be even better, noise. Uh, or you're going to nize that, which is this is real and, and the Raptors got to cut it out immediately. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Let's go. So let's get you a hat that we just give you a Nick Durst hat with another. I feel like we need like an EDM beat (laughs) to kick off the segment. All right, right, let's go. Um, (laughs) This one is front of mind after yesterday and after writing what I wrote for sportsnet.ca tomorrow. And it has to do with lineups. This is more, this is worse than it sounds because they had such an outlier bad last night, last night. The starting five now has a negative net rating on the season. Mm. Will, how you feeling? Is that noise or you? they need to deny that? 
No, they need to nice that. Like, actually, you think it's real? <laughs> I do think it's real. Um, I think that they started the season really strong, um, and the bench was clearly the issue. They found different ways to balance out the production from the second unit. They found a way to get Pascal back to being a really productive player. Um, but in the midst of all of that, I feel like the starting lineup comes out each game, and they're not really setting out the tone. Like the fact that we get out to these slow starts, pretty much every other night. Um, is a real problem, and that comes down to the starting lineup. And whether that's you change the lineup, whether that you change how the lineup uh, specifically is played, if you change who is in that lineup, like something just has to, to to happen because you know you just can't come down every single game. Like it was like seventeen to five, and Darko had to call the first time out. You know that's that's an advance that I love to track. How many times Darko has to call the first time out because they aren't pizzas here. <laughs> ding dong. Um, <laughs> ding dong. We went from bing bong to ding dong. Yeah, we really did. That's really tough. Uh, so, but like, yeah, no, I, I think that I'm okay with them trying to continue with the current five players, but they need to figure out what their specific hierarchy is. It feels like they have like one play they run on a consistent basis, hmm. which is they get the ball to Yak. They have Dennis set up a back screen. Orange and then, chin punch. Yeah, and then they get like a high low pass to it's either Pascal oh. or Scotty or 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 OG. But, like, besides that, what else you got, man? Like, <laughs> it's just got No, you don't want, man. So, Alex, let me ask you then. Are, are yeah. you – you say nice that to the performance this group has to be better? Yeah. Or you say nice that to this starting five altogether? No, man. Keep the starting five. Okay. You know what? These guys need to step up. Like, Dennis – Okay. No, Dennis, the starting point guard. OG, you want max money. Pascal, you want your new contract. Like, Jakob, you just got your new deal. Like yeah, Scotty, Scotty, you're an up-and-coming player. You want to be recognized as, like, one of the top young dudes – in the league, like, figure it out, man. Like, why are we always coming in here every year being like, yo, put Gary in the starting lineup? Are you kidding me? That's not a solution, man. These guys got to figure it out. Like, figure it out. This is the talent of the team. These are the top players on the team. Like, figure it out. Like, figure it out, man. Look, some yeah, of... I never see you act yeah. like this before. I don't know why I'm so angry today. I'm just... <laughs> I'm Joe the Bradley Beal. I, right I, I, I looked at this 9-12 and 12 record, and I'm like, yo, enough is enough, man. Wow. Like, it's it's the temperature. It's You're enough. I never thought I'd be the happiest person no, after a loss. No, keep the starting lineup and earn your pizza party, man. All right, all right, let's go. Yeah. All right, there yeah. are... So, within the Raptors not playing very well, there are some obvious... Uh, things like, hey, they're not very good at shooting the basketball. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna hurt you. But there are some less obvious things that, especially a team that is supposed to be hungry, literally for a free dinner, but figuratively for next contract. <laughs> we went from how hungry are you to three game streak pizza party? Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> Sir, yeah, Serge is now just like <laughs> offering up the bowl. <laughs> Yeah, et cetera, what, pizza, what, what just like doing? as an incentive instead of as a, as a gag. Um, okay, so some of this stuff, though, you would expect a team that is young and hungry to be better at. We last did this segment on November 15th, so it's been about three weeks. It's a good chunk of games. Um, what were they last time? They were 500 last time when we did this. So <laughs> they've gone three games under 500 since. damn it. Even if you want to accept, hey, there's some stuff that's personnel-based. They're just not going to be able to shoot the three well, whatever. In that time since our last one, they're 23rd in the league in transition defense, mm -hmm. which to me, I know some of it is execution, some of it is defensive talent, et cetera, but that to me is probably the best indicator I, you can find statistically of this team is like locked in and focused and gets back. What do you make of that? I mean, this, oh, is, this is outside the triple N definition, I guess, because I'm just asking your opinion on it. But it's probably been the most frustrating thing 
for me, and it was certainly the most frustrating thing for me yeah. in that Knicks game. Okay, look, we, we can definitely say that this is a this is a hustle stat, essentially. This is something that's an indicator of um, how organized you are, too, obviously floor balance-wise. Is there anything execution-wise, Blake, that you're seeing that's leading to that number? In transition defense, no, because the okay, Raptors okay. are built in a way that, like, part of the idea of everyone being the same size and very switchable is, yes, you can switch actual actions, but part of the challenge of playing the Raptors both ways in transition is the Raptors are not supposed to care who guards who. Like, you, obviously, you have a preference coming out of a timeout. You want OG on Booker. You want OG on Donovan Mitchell. But a huge part of this is supposed to be, well, just get back. And whoever picks up whoever will deal with it, and you'll be able to switch around it. And it would be one thing if the Raptors were, like, unbelievably good on the offensive glass and we could point to well they're sacrificing some transition defense uh to crash the glass a little bit more and we know but we know they're crashing principles you can crash out of the corner if you crash from the top you only go a quarter of the way you only go to that kind of free throw line extended uh, and that's usually only if it's a jump shot because a long rebound might come out they're seventh in offensive rebound rate to me that's not enough to make up for yeah. the, the lack of getting back and getting in front of a guy and we we saw it a couple times in these close games when it, it feels like, you know, they ran out of gas or, or they just like ran out of belief or whatever that that's the first thing to slip. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel differently? No, I, I agree with you. It doesn't feel like, first off, one of the, you know, uh, strange things about the Raptors last few years was they were so good on the offensive glass, but they're also quite good at getting back in transition defense. Um, I don't, I remember asking Nick about this a couple of times just because it's like you only have, Limited resources. You either choose to crash the glass or you get back. And the Raptors come up doing both. And they found ways to do it where it felt like, okay, the Raptors are not gaming basketball, but they were finding these little edges, uh, these little marginal advantages that help to supplement for the fact that they don't shoot the ball well. They're like trying to find cheat codes. Yeah, exactly. Just get talent. They're, they're kind of glitching the game, but at least they were successfully doing it. Now it feels like, okay, they're definitely not a team where it's like, okay, they're going to kill it on offense every single night. But then you really have no excuse for not getting back. Especially because, again, this team has a lot of six nine fours. You should be able to cross-match a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's tough. What's the next one? All right. So this is, uh, I mean, I had an offensive one in here. I'm just going to say it. We obviously know this is very bad, but the latest update is they're 27th in three-point percentage, 29th in free-throw percentage, and that makes you 27th in true shooting percentage uh, overall. By the way, since uh the over the last five years only four teams have made the playoffs with a true shooting percentage as low as the raptors uh that includes the 21 22 raptors so uh this is uh this is what they're about um yeah really is okay let's get more talent (laughs) yeah is there anything nice on this list (laughs) all right we're gonna nice this whole segment i guess there are a couple nice things but we're we're nice in a lot today so alex let let me ask you about this one because we talked about it a little bit earlier um i i know what you're going to say but i'm curious as to the specifics of how you would like it to change uh dennis schroeder in how i define clutch situations has a 27.4 percent usage rate and a 41.3 percent true shooting percentage uh if you are not familiar with those stats it means he's using a lot of offensive possessions not very well we are of course going to nize that but uh how would you like to see the kind of crunch time possessions distributed better coaching from darko yeah let's put people in positions to succeed if guys are doing well on a night like Pascal, OG, Gary, whoever it is, let's get the ball in their hands. What is more concerning? So the usage rate is probably more concerning to you sure, than the actual yeah. percentages. Yeah, but like, yeah, why are we letting Darko skate on this too, man? I know he's a rookie coach, but they're struggling. And there's been like a lot of nights where I feel like it stood out to me that Darko's made mistakes here and there. So, 
Yeah, Sorry, there have been I'm a just, few, and I, I don't know what I've the... I've never seen you act like this. Yeah, better talent, better coaching. Let's go. I don't know how many games it takes enough for, enough. you know, coaching performance. But, yeah, like some of the rotational stuff. And, again, this is kind of what I write about in this sportsnet.ca piece tomorrow is that, like, 21 games into the year, mm-hmm. a part of the frustration for me is not just that they haven't played very well. I feel like we've learned nothing. Like, yeah. they have not tried yeah, out-of-the-box right. stuff. They have this unconventional roster-building strategy, and then they shoehorn a point guard and a center in who don't really fit with the strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses of that trio. They've run, you know, the Scotty and Bench unit for 100 minutes mm-hmm. and, like, different versions of it, but it's still kind of what it is. We, we've done very little mixing and matching of, like, let's get some spacing around Scotty, Pascal, OG, and see what that looks like. I just I really oh, feel like okay. we haven't learned no, very much. I'll, I'll, also, I'm going to push back on that. No, like I'm, so? I'm gonna I'm, push back on that, and okay. this is why. I feel like we're playing offense in a very different way than he did last year, and we're playing defense in a very different way last year. Same results. It's just the same results. Same results. Worst results, honestly. I've compared it to if you were coming from Mississauga to Toronto during yeah. rush time traffic, you could take the 401 and then the DVP and Islington. get downtown, or you could take the 427 QEW. You're still gonna take two hours to get there. Yeah. That's what the Raptors listen, have been listen, the last two years. Listen, yeah. listen. I mean, look, their offense last year was 12th. It's 24th. Yeah, I, I was okay. shocked. I was shocked okay. that the uh, when I found out their offense was uh, 12th last year. Listen, the thing about Darko too, I'll say is like he not being he's not being put in a position to succeed either because the same problems I was here last year when you know Nick was like you know when 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 you if you defend Nick and you're like yo there's not enough talent on this team mm-hmm. that's why he's playing six and a half guys to try to get on like a five game win streak. You know, you look <laughs> for at, one pizza party. No, but yeah, you Nick look, wasn't throwing all pizza parties. You look at, at the least. minutes distributions. Like you can go through the games this year. Maybe yeah. they could have picked off one or two more wins this year if Darko went with a Nick Nurse approach and went with just six guys. That's obviously not what they're doing now. But like Darko's not being put in position to succeed. He doesn't know if Pascal is going to be here past February. He doesn't even have the assortment of guys to develop. Like you, you, you trying to develop a team long term. Like who's he trying to establish an identity with? So like the front office has failed the head coach in a way too by not picking a path. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about the, the discrepancy because 24th in offensive rating versus 12th seems like a big difference. The Raptors are actually shooting marginally better from three this year yeah. and marginally better from two. They margin both. No, up. the difference is they're not getting offensive rebounds as much. Okay. They, and they're they turning from, the ball over. Yeah, they went from the That's fewest it. turnovers to twenty to So they the dressed it up all turnover. differently. Yeah. That's but what it's I'm saying. The exact same. It's it's when yeah. you turn on ways. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, all right, I got two options. Oh, yeah. they both say two hours. Like, also, I should point out too that like the half court offense rank is the exact same as last year. That's it's what I just mean. they've lost the transition stuff and, uh, and they're cannot, coming about it a different way. I cannot way. believe their offense was 12 last year. Yeah, it's because they they got out in transition at a historic rate. Okay, because mm-hmm. I test they were not. I test was oh nasty. my god. Yeah, I okay. test nasty. Yeah, well, in the all half right. court, it was just as bad as this year. Like, there's yeah. basically been no change. Look, I really don't have a lot of positives. Okay, here. <laughs> That's um, what I was so how about this? How about this? I got no friends uh, left. Are, the we, are we saying thing. nice or noise to the fact that based on EPM, which is a estimated mm-hmm. plus minus from dunks and threes, we don't really put a ton of stock into catch all individual yeah, metrics. Yeah, yeah. But if you were to reference one, this is the one that this I, I like the most. Jour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Scotty EPM. and OG are both top 20 in defensive impact. Is that noise or are you keeping that and you think it's real? I do think that's real because both players are Defending at a pretty high level, OG defending at a high level on ball, Scotty defending at a high level, sometimes on ball, but definitely off ball. He's been doing a great job rotating over. Um, what's confusing to me is how bad is the rest of the team defensively then if the team is also not that good defensively? 
Yeah, it's a it's a like, real question. How does that add up, though? I, I'm I'm curious. No, I, I mean I can I give me one second and I will just bring up the whole yeah, team. It's here not once. adding up because they're just not a good team. Yeah, and I mean, I mean look, obviously two guys can't be your whole these, defense. No, I of course. Yeah, and of these course. stats try to account for you know what role you're being used in. So Scotty doesn't get punished as much as you might think from like manning those four man bench units because this can look at well look at who else is on the floor. Mm, um, okay. So we are controlling for that. So. Pascal actually has a positive uh, overall as well. Um, but what you start to see is like every bench player and Dennis all have like big negatives in terms of their defensive impact. Damn. The team, like, team has won two in a row twice this year, man. Yeah. It's a quarter through the season. <laughs> okay. Also, I mentioned the starting lineup nice being negative that. now. Over the last couple of weeks, they have struggled at both ends. Like the defense has got worse and the offense has got worse. Okay. And I even looked at what if we controlled the three-point percentage and like Opponents have shot 39% on threes against them, uh, against that lineup, which, like, that's not going to sustain. You don't have a ton of control. That would probably come down to, like, 37-ish. Even if you did that, they're still only playing their minutes even. Mm-hmm. And if you're a team with a bad bench, your starter's got to win the minutes. Um, so the other side of this is um, Scotty Barnes is the only Raptor in the top 60 in offensive impact. Um, wow. He's 59th. Uh, I don't know. Do you believe that, I guess? Like, is Pascal not? in you know the top 60 in terms of offensive impact or, or what do you i guess this is not nice nice noise anymore it's just what do you think of this bad thing i found what's yeah. got what's got his usage rate compared to last year it's up but How not much up enough. it's not jumped like a lot this it's is- it's not jumped enough in my estimation okay. um his front court touches are up which means he has the ball yeah. in his hands a little bit more but i still think it's too much of the like dho perimeter stuff where i'd like to see a little bit more of him actually mm. you know handling uh, his usage rate is up from 20.3 percent to 24 percent. alex I, I think that should probably be north of 25 yeah given his importance and how much you need to find out about him this year yeah um i, I know pascal got off to that slow start and obviously pascal's three-point shooting being as bad as it is right now mm. is going to drag down the overall effectiveness up to 20.7 percent after yesterday be getting up to twenty point seven is is wild. That's he's, I, ab- he's above speak. the Mendoza line point two zero zero. If I speak. goodness, uh, oh, man. what is this? Bo Bichette's walk rate? No, I'm kidding. Uh, that was actually way too high for Bo. Yeah, that's Juan t- Soto's walk rate, maybe. Oh, okay, um, I'm out of my depth now. <laughs> but <laughs> Soto trash because he's on the Yankees now. I just feel like Pascal has to have a better offensive impact than that. I mean, like in, in, since he's turning around, maybe in the last like month or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, at least I that's my eye test. That's not me looking yeah. at numbers. We we can't split them up that way because these things need a larger I, sample, I and they're yeah. leaning on some of last year's data and regressing mm-hmm. this early and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, I, I'm with you. I think Pascal has been better than I think he's been a top 60 offensive impact player. But this is the issue when you try to use these wow. when when people try to get into these metrics is like it's zero sum, right? Like they're only. There are only so many wins mm-hmm. in an NBA season. Yeah. Um, okay, I have two for you guys that are not really Raptor specific. They're more about league context or team context specific. So based on, so EPM also has a team component. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like just, you know, similar to net rating, but they adjust for strength of schedule. The Raptors have actually had a pretty tough schedule um, once you look at actually who's been, you know, who's been good and who's been bad. Um, when we look at those things though, and we adjust net rating for, strength of schedule. The Raptors are still only in 22nd. It doesn't make them look much better. However, there is a pretty amusing thing going on where there are 21 teams that are about even to good to great. 21 teams could say, yeah, we're having an okay year. Like we're within range. There are eight teams at the bottom who are clearly bad. Like 
unspeakably bad in the case of some of these teams. And then if you were to draw tiers of this or plot it on a graph, the Raptors are just by themselves in 20 seconds. There nice. are 21 teams nice. that could make a case that they're nice. average to great. Eight teams that are like, nope, you can't even have a conversation. Those teams are so bad. And then there's the Toronto Raptors in the low middle at 22 alone. Now, Alex, does that feel like a right categorization of the Raptors to you? Yeah. Just this, on their own island? This is when the Raptors landed right in the middle of Kirk Goldsberry's chart. <laughs> like, I think last week. Um, yes, they, they're so average. That's why we're talking about all these things. And the problem with average teams is we're, we have to talk about the same things over and over again. Because they will be good one out of every three nights. And then we'll pick positives from it. And then they'll come back and disappoint you the next two nights. That's what they do. Damn, the Asian parenting popped out. I put on this pinky ring and I've changed into a new person. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's for us, like, contextualizing the reaction. It's like, it's not, okay, 21 games in the season, the season's over. No. It's, we are now in the third year running of, like, these exact issues. That's the thing. We talk about sample size. This isn't a, and, and this is why it was, it was a little curious to hear Masai say at the start of the year, you know, we want to evaluate what this group looks like. I know it was a new coach. I know there's a new point guard. And, and you know, and Grady Dick was a rookie. Even a new system. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, you can only, like, that is only an asterisk for so much. Like, you're only considering that so much of a factor, right? Like they're not running that new offense every single time down the floor. They're not, you know, Grady Dick isn't playing hundred percent of possessions and things like that. Um, no significant, no significant injuries. Like we know so who, far this season. We know who everyone yeah. is individually, except we don't really know with Grady yet. And we're not sure if Scotty Barnes is ceiling. We know he's really, really good. Yeah. That those are the only two question marks individually. Is there anyone else? You don't know who they are. No, I he, guess precious, he, but that's more of a, a dig at him than a positive because you just don't does, know who he is tonight. Know tonight. Who he is? That's a bigger question. Tomorrow night he might, then, then Monday you might not. Uh, yeah, actually I thought precious went okay yesterday, but I mean, yeah, no. he was fine. great, great, that's um, great. Okay, yeah. here's the other one, and I'll start with you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I'm not used to, again. I'm not used yeah. to being the most calm person here. Damn. I mean, Sorry, I'm just nice. setting it up. I'm just, nice. just Sorry, guys. So, the Raptors right now. And this is like, this is nitpicking, but I'm curious what you guys think about it. Raptors are averaging 19,644 people per game. That's not, <laughs> hang on. I was like, that's, that's a high number for that the is offense. 99.2% of capacity at Scotiabank Arena. That mm. sounds really good. You're sixth in the league in attendance. You almost fill the stadium every night. Mm. They have not been that low in terms of percentage of Scotiabank Arena filled since the 2013-2014 season. Mm. Yeah. What do you make of that? I don't know. What do you think, businessman? Listen, this is, I feel more passionate about this than the actual product on the court. Listen, if your product slips, you got to drop the price. And the price has been going up. Elasticity. The, the price of tickets, if you go, I mean, I talked to Stringer a lot of Stringer Bell went to, went to one community yeah. college business class. <laughs> you know, Stringer Bell found the ability to find the intersection of two lines, a.k.a. for most of microeconomics. <laughs> he Kurt Goldsby. <laughs> so, yeah, he learned Y equals MX plus B. Um, but, like, if you talk to the season ticket holders, their prices got jacked up 15, 20% across the board. Yeah, it's been talked about. Is, yeah. This and is like related to get... what we're talking about with Shohei and the Jays. Like a big part of this push and why that is a possibility is like, yeah, they okay. they jacked up the price. They moved some season ticket holders or season ticket holders, right. you know, chose to go to a cheaper section. They've got all these new suites that they want long-term commitments on. Like those are real factors in how you yeah. operate your basketball or baseball team. Uh, of course. And... Not hockey because I think the, the Leafs are the one team that's inelastic demand. Uh, yeah, honestly, probably. Yeah. Wow, this is really the string of That's Econ 102, though. <laughs> uh, but so 
if the <laughs> if the product is actually worse. Too many forty degree days in here. Oh, you know, like on, yeah. it, what it, what signal are you selling? And listen, I, I I'm not saying that these businesses don't have the right to go out there and collect as much money as possible. Mm. That's on them. And if people continue to buy, which they clearly are, what was like ninety nine plus percent, ninety nine point two, yeah, yeah, you're you're fine, right? Of course. However, what that does lead to then is a lot of people getting more and more unhappy. Sure. No, and isn't you... isn't isn't happiness also part of the equation? <laughs> yeah. I understand that this is capitalism, but like people should be happy. That should be the goal of society. <laughs> We're clipping this segment for LinkedIn, or what's going on? There? <laughs> yeah, we got Gary V no, on the line. I, listen, I, yeah, there were a lot of empty seats last night, but I also think part of that was because of the fact that in season tournament wise, they plan these games yes, a week sure, out. Sure, sure, sure. And so you didn't even know uh, what you were buying uh, into, I'm, all that kind of stuff. I'm but with still. I'm, I'm with Will though. I yeah, think you it's know, a problem. Just, it's a, an, I, I, just yeah. not a good way to run business. I'm sorry. Anecdotally, not. you talk to like season ticket holders. You talk to like you know long term, long time Raptors fans. The excitement is not there right now. The excitement is not there right now. And I think long term, you're willing to pay those raises and stuff because you want to still be in the arena. You want to keep your seats. But this cannot be a long-term product that you're presenting to people. Like, you have to be excited. There's no excitement in it right now. All right. So I'm going to do the same thing Darko does when he's had three uh, negative quarters in a row uh, or three negative games in a row. We've had, three, we've had three pretty negative <laughs> be uh, segments in a row. Now. So I'm going to throw Otto Porter in the mix to, end, to try to end the run of negative play and right. finish this segment on a positive. Otto Porter has paid 125 minutes this year, that is not a lot of minutes, but Darko Ryakovic said after the game last night that he's probably back in the rotation now. Maybe, we, I don't know, he's even been in a back-to-back, so I don't even know if that's a restriction. Um, Otto Porter has by far the best net rating on the Raptors roster. Wow. Uh, nice, that's sticking around and this solves everything, or is this noise, Will? No, no offense, that, that's noise. Um, you know, because I tried. When you watch the game, like I understand that there's a real value to a player not making mistakes. And I don't think Otto makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. I give him that credit. But you watch these games. He's not actually doing that much. You could say, well, passively, he's spacing the floor, which is somewhat true. But most games, he's not even involved. He probably touches the ball the least out of anybody that comes on the court. He's not defending the biggest opponents on the, on the most biggest threats. He me. He's just on the floor not making mistakes, and that alone is giving him a nice plus minus. It's actually the kind of incredible. Of I'm not trying to be rude. A, the I, absence of on. negatives is a positive sometimes. Otto Porter was brought in when, after the Raptors won 48 games, came out of like a first-round series, you know, feeling good about themselves, supposed to be a huge bench piece to a win-now team. Mm-hmm. This is not a win-now team now. It's clear they're not going anywhere right now. And if we're asking, if the question is being asked post-game, after you fall to 9-12, and 12, whether Otto Porter's in the rotation going forward, then that's just an indictment on where the team is at. Also, that was not a definitive answer by Darko. <laughs> you know? It, I don't listen, know. You, if, you, if your partner comes up to you and it says, if your partner comes up to you and says, you're probably in the rotation, that's not a, <laughs> that ain't a wedding ring. That's not a wedding ring. That's, 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 now, what you know about I, that? Man? That's a promise ring, though. That's like, I'm thinking about committing what to you. What you know about that? That's what, that's what Alex is wearing on his finger right <laughs> now. All right. Speaking of hardware, yeah. do we want to take a break and then give away these fake awards? Or do uh, we want to save the awards? What do we want to uh, do? Let's here? decide during the five-minute break because right. we are chaotic. That's not how yeah. I should set up a break then. It's, it's <laughs> all good. That was not nice, nice, nice. That was nasty. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's nice. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a break. been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsline Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Ben Lou. We are going to hand out our fake first quarter awards uh, shortly. But I, I just thought about because I came into the studio mid segment, and you guys were you guys were hot. You guys were talking to Vivek. You guys were in this in this like energy, and I I wasn't really you know familiar with your game, quite honestly, Alex. Um, and I realized I was like, why am I in a better mood than these guys after a loss? Typically, that's my role. Mm. And I realized it was because after the game yesterday, and I was absolutely steaming after the game yesterday, went downstairs. Oh, no. Is this a Kyle Lowry brag? And I just happened to walk <laughs> into the tunnel when Blue Kyle Lowry bomb. was walking out of that tunnel. And I had this moment. I was like, is, is, is Kyle, is, is he going to stop and say hi? I don't know. Does he know me? Like, I wasn't, like, around the beat that much. Mm. And it was you're walking closer and closer. You're not going to stop your walk. And then he comes up and he's like, what up, Lou? Yo. And he gave me a dap. And I told him, and I was mad nervous. I rarely got starstruck, but it is Kyle. Mm. And I told him, welcome home, bro. Yo. I cannot. I think that's why I'm in a good mood. Just Kyle dapped me up. I was like, you know what? I'm not that mad about the heat loss after that's, this. That's, that's growth meets growth, man. Greatest rapper of all time. Greatest, uh, you know, react pods of all time. <laughs> That's a grope meets grope right there. Nasty. The the big booty and the big head. <laughs> <laughs> the no. big bang theory. You know I respect hey, your game. Hey, salute to Kyle, man. Welcome you know home, I respect bro. your game a lot, Lou. Um, you know, and I love you, my brother. But I, I was shocked that Kyle knew your name. I was shocked that I Kyle was knew shocked. my name because I yeah. was not on the beat until like twenty nineteen. You were, you know what? You were heavy on the Tampa beat. I was heavy, on and the I Tampa think beat. that's when he got to know you. Because you and VZ, you and VZ famously asked his last two questions before the trade deadline. That's right. Yeah, yeah. actually, that was an amazing. Which people thought interview. was going to be his final game. Well, um, Kyle also took the time to answer every single question. And if you know anything about Kyle Lowry, he was not excited to answer a lot of media questions in general. Well, other, he's anti-media, other than teasing us. But uh, yeah. he took the time out. And it was like a twenty-five minute interview. He answered literally every single person's question as much as possible. It's the day before he turned uh, thirty-five. Uh, and the trade deadline was the next yeah. day. And then all of a sudden, he, the trade deadline went by. He was still on the team. And he's like, why y'all say goodbye? <laughs> it was actually quite funny. It was like going to someone's funeral. But it turns out the guy was awake. So anyway, that's the humble brag is out the way. Let's hand out some uh, yeah, first let's, quarter let's, fake awards. Well, speaking of awards, I have a note on a real award. Yeah. We've now seen what the in-season tournament trophy looks like. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's huge. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. There's okay. a picture of a lady holding it. It's like half her body. Yeah. Damn. They tried to go Stanley Cup with it I was instead of say. Larry O'B with I it. I really like that black shiny basketball that they were showing. Is that the bowling ball? Is for that all, tur- all tournament team? Oh, that's an all tournament team. Okay, I like that. Mm. All right, let's get to it. We got nine minutes left. Will, let's go. So we're these- handing out awards. These are fake awards. Um, we made our own categories. Will, you may go first. So my fake uh, award, the first one, is the Scott Foster and Chris Paul Most Petty Beef Award, uh, mm. and. That actually just came in yesterday. It's uh, Bill Simmons versus J.J. Redick. <laughs> Give the listeners the context. <laughs> They're beefing over whether or not J.J. Redick, who was actively playing in the NBA, was committed enough to video podcasts during his time at the Ringer. Because J.J. went on Zach Lowe's podcast and basically gave a little context of why it didn't work out at the Ringer. And he said that the Ringer was not committed to video enough. Uh-huh. And, of course, the, the pod father fired up a response and he said hey jj i like you enjoyed our time together you did eight pod apps total in 2019 three had nba guests you started doing video pods in mid-jan 2020 pandemic happened seven weeks later you never took the pods seriously until 2020 
that's why it's good. I'm still a fan. No, I'm still a fan as wild. But uh, yeah, this is... You never took the pod... I despise that, dude. As a, pod, a as, as, as a podcaster, hearing someone tell you you never took the pod seriously is the most hurtful thing that you can say to a pod, pod man. Well, because it's one of two things, right? Either you did take it seriously, yeah. and what that means then is like you just didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, or you didn't take it seriously and you realize you didn't get away with it. Like, because most people yeah. I think who are in a big platform and don't take something yeah. seriously think they're getting by mm. just fine without you know, taking it seriously. You know, it's funny, Blake, because like you're a big wrestling head and we know sometimes these things get set up and then eventually these two people feud and they fight at like WrestleMania. Yeah. You know what this is going to end up in? <laughs> Bill Simmons and JJ Reddick going to do a live pod at All-Star Weekend. I want, I want to put money on that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. This is so stupid. I'm still waiting for Jordan Poole to appear on Draymond's pod. I'm mad at this too. All right, Blake, let's what's, go. Your, what's your award? award? All right, uh, I'm going to give out, you You used it earlier. Well, I'm going to give out the Shaquille O'Neal. I owe you an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game. I award. wasn't really familiar with your game. Thanks, D. I'm going to give it to Gogo Batadze. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. has been a, a big piece for the Orlando Magic, stepping into the starting lineup with Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. This is a guy who was waived by the Pacers, who have a pretty good talent evaluation sure. and player development system going on over there. They were like, nah, this guy's not it. Cool. In the middle of last season, and then this year he catches on with the Magic, kind of jumps his way from third string into the starting spot here. He great. handed it to the Raptors, and I tell you, I watch a lot of Orlando Magic ball, and he's a... He's a real piece. Wish I had known this when he was freely available for nothing last year. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I I believe I texted you during that Magic game. Disgusting. The actual words, I wasn't really familiar with Goga <laughs> Batase's game. So That's he absolutely deserves his award. Alex, what's your first award? Uh, I'm going to go with the public divorce we don't want to hear about any more award. And that's James Harden and Daryl Morey. Yeah, James Harden gave another interview, I believe, to Sam Amick at The Athletic. That's his guy. Earlier this week. Well, they need to just chat privately. And he <laughs> revealed that... I think he tried to get every team for a tampering charge. He, like, revealed that Daryl Morey had promised him that a deal was coming. A max. Uh, a max deal. I think, believe, he also revealed that after Ime Udoka was um, hired by the Houston Rockets, a meeting was set up while he was still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. We know... Uh, it wouldn't be the only one who did that. Yeah, we know that Harden has been really bitter <laughs> to the point where he's brought out, um, you know, bottle service uh, girls to to hold a sign that says Daryl Morey is a liar. Mm. Um, I just, you know, it's over, man. It's over. You're with the Clippers, you know. You guys, <laughs> doing well. You guys are fighting for whatever you're fighting for this season. They're 7-3 and three recently. That's James my championship. Well. Yeah, that's my championship pick right there. Can, um, I, can I interest you in, in July, though, the James Harden-Lawrence-Frank beef? Oh, my God. Oh, Anyways, it, it just... We don't want to hear about this anymore. As a basketball community, we have collectively moved on. Yeah. Like, we don't need to hear this anymore. But I will say, Daryl Morey actually broke the one rule in sports, which is he promised them money and they never paid him. Oh, I thought you were going to say the other thing. I got shook. Um, no, he <laughs> fully broke that rule. Because as you remember, sure, James yeah, yeah. signed for a short-term, mm -hmm. less-than-max contract. Mm -hmm. They circumvented the cap. They fully, Basically, on the promise that he'd get it on the back end. They fully fixed the housing market for Daniel they House. Did. They got a house. And P.J. Tucker. Right, they got a tuck. Yeah. And you do that because you promised a guy that you're going to sign him for the max, which you never did. And whatever, I get it. He's not a max level player, but you shouldn't make that promise. Plus, that's your place. guy, man. You have a painting of him hanging in your condo. Yeah. Are they going to pod together afterwards? We'll never see. Okay, let's uh, let's let's fast forward a little bit. My next uh, fake award yeah. is called the Alex Wong Bet the Entire Bet Rivers Credit on Yaka Pertle's First Bucket Award for who will spend their 500K uh, in in-season tournament winnings in the funniest way possible. This is the longest award name of all time. I love this. 
But he's going to Zion Williamson, and I'm going to provide no further comment. You know what? You saw the everybody saw the clip going yeah. around, right? Yeah, we know what it is from Scott. We Cancel. know Zion's reputation. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I'm really quickly dividing five hundred thousand by Spotify Premium is fourteen ninety nine. LeBron can give out three thousand three hundred thirty five Spotify Premium. This is your accounting background, <laughs> your but he won't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be the funniest way to spend the 500K. Yeah. Shots to Zion. He needs that money. All right, Blake, your, Blake. your next one. All right. Uh, this is the Chris Dunn. I've been watching too much Raptors basketball, kind of forget what real basketball looks like. And even though the Raptors don't need this, there's some mid-defense first guy that I want as a free agent this summer. Uh, that award goes to Haywood Highsmith. We didn't see him like last that. night on the heat, but I've seen a, we've seen a, a chunk of him this year defending all over the court. He's very, very Raptors-y. Uh, he ranks fourth in defensive positional versatility. Mm. How often you're switching around oh, the floor. Man. They don't need him. They didn't need Chris Dunn. They didn't need Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I don't know. I, I can't quit these guys. I'm worse than Masai and Bobby for it. You've been Raptor-pilled. It's yeah. okay, man. It's okay. Yeah. That, um, it's just honestly, me I, just chasing Andre Roberson still. For, for the record, I'd still take him. I, I would also take Haywood Highsmith. He's a he's a nice player. This guy's like, give me Highsmith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got um, Okay. Yes, Alex? the uh, the I refuse to count out LeBron James award goes to LeBron James and the Lakers. You know, I was watching them against the Suns the other night. In season, basketball? In-season tournament. And I was just like, man, when you need to win a game, like, I'm still taking LeBron, man. Mm. Like, I'm still taking LeBron. I think they have a good enough team. They're like, what, 13-9 and nine right now? Like, I'm sure they're going to make a trade. You know, they're a huge trade candidate coming to the trade deadline and stuff. They made a nice run last year. Obviously got swept by the Nuggets. But, you know, the Nuggets were on another tier. And the Nuggets might be on another tier again when you get to the playoffs. But when you start stacking up these um, Western Conference contenders, you look at Minnesota at the top, OKC at the top. I'm still I'm still taking the Lakers. I'm still giving them a chance in a seven-game series against anybody. Man. Has anyone else ever won the I Refuse to Count Out LeBron James Award? <laughs> no, I feel like uh, Steph could have one. It's 20 years running. Nah, man. Steph, Steph looks so young, man. He, he's staying in great I'm shape. I'm just saying, would you guys be shocked if the Lakers ended up in the finals this season? I know there's still a long way to go. Honestly, no. They're, they're in the inner circle for sure in the West. Yeah. Really quickly, the last couple for me. Um, yes. The Matthew Johnson PBWA Award, that's the Pro Basketball Writers Association Award, which is an actual award for best quote of the, the quarter mark. That's going to go for me to Dylan Brooks on the on the Grizzlies without him. Quote, it's like the girlfriend you used to have. You didn't know how good she was until she's gone. Oh, that's, that's, a a that's a Janet Jackson song. Yeah. That's such a bomb. Oh, anyway, yeah, shout out to Dylan Brooks, man. We're rooting for you. Uh, yeah, this Blake. one is even too on brand for me, but this is the Christian Wood Award for, I don't necessarily know if this is going to translate to the NBA level at any point, but you're the most fun player in the G League, and that goes to Imoni Bates, who was the second-round yeah. pick of the Cleveland Cavs. He's still only 19. He's been awesome. I don't know if it's an NBA skill set, but he's a lot of fun. He was great in Summer League, too. It took Christian Wood like 15 years to figure it out. Yeah, he could really shoot, but also he was a hugely talented prospect. Yeah. Like they were calling him KD and stuff. Oh, he was a big deal. He was on slam covers and yeah. all that stuff. But I'm rooting for him. That's the only reason why I know him. My last one is just the new main character of the NBA award, previously held by Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks. I'm giving it to my guy Jalen Suggs on the Orlando oh, Magic. Yeah. I feel like everywhere you look, he's taunting the Celtics. He's recreating the D Wade LeBron celebration. Um, yeah, I think Jalen Suggs has firmly introduced himself to to the NBA audience this year. This is the difference between the Orlando Magic and the Miami Heat. Their recreation of the LeBron and D Wade was done with Jalen Suggs and Cole. Cole Anthony. J. Cole. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, the Magic are doing well, but that was a, that's a step too far for me. We got to respect tradition. But that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willie. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. But please write and review the show. Thanks once again to Dennis Schroeder, Vivek Jacob, 
producer co-host Alex Wong, Blake Murphy, board producer Derek Brandale, Jennifer Olnick, David Sis, JR Manitad helping behind the scenes. We'll be back to vet tomorrow. <laughs>